Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell challenges the status quo, questions everything, and empowers you to return to your core beliefs to make your life better. If you're ready to hear the truth and get your roadmap to the lifestyle you really want, the next hour will change your life. And now your host, self-made millionaire, national award-winning investor of the year, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley. Welcome to Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today, my friends, I want to begin a discussion about inflation and how inflation is affecting the real estate market right now, and then later we can get into how to deal with that and what do we think happens in the future. But first, let's just zoom in on what's going on right now. There was an article the other day on 60 Minutes, a show, uh, and it was one of the best shows I've ever seen on 60 Minutes. And they brought up and they were talking about combination of inflation, but mostly the cost of renting. Was That was the major part of the show. And as they went through it, they were showing that couple of interesting facts. First of all, across the whole country last year, rents went up around 15%. Now, typically, folks, I've been in this business 35 years now, typically rents go up 3 or 4% a year, and we feel pretty good about that. If you get 5%, you would feel incredible. To get a double-digit rent increase is unheard of in this business. To have the entire average go up 15%, is a problem. Well, Dell, you're an investor. Why is that a problem? Well, it's not for me. It's a problem for society. It's a problem for the industry as a whole because we're pricing people out of the ability to be able to rent. And what's even worse than that is that it's pricing people out of the ability to buy. So, how did all this come about? It's a confluence of issues that have come about in the last two or three years, five years, and we could see it coming. Like I've always said, the stock market could shoot you like a gun and kill you in a second. But the real estate market takes time to kill you. You've got to stand on the tracks and get run over by the train. All you need to do is get off the tracks and don't get run over by the train. And it's very simple to stay out of the way of a changing real estate market. But boy, is it changing right now. So let's go back to the beginning of the end, the beginning of all of this. In 2008 and 2009, we all know that all the banks blew up that all the bad loans they had written came to roost. All the bad business practices came to roost. And many of the major banks went broke. At first, the Fed said they weren't going to prop them up. And then they came up with the term, too big to fail. And they started propping the banks back up. Well, one of the things the banks, once they were propped up, didn't do was invest in real estate. They felt like, man, we had lent all this money to build all these buildings, single family and multifamily and commercial and whatever, and now they're all sitting foreclosed on. They're all sitting there vacant. Hindsight, double, triple hindsight. Back when that happened, I thought this was the greatest thing in the world, and I bought everything I could get my hands on. And I anywhere from triple to quadruple my net worth. I don't remember. I should go back and look at it before I make statements like that. But it was my life changed. That's all I can tell you. It was a massive increase in my net worth because I was buying real estate 50 cents on the dollar and renting it out for just as much as we were renting it out before it had crashed. Because even though the cost of buying real estate crashed, the value of real estate crashed, rents didn't. Because for every building that went foreclosed, there was one less unit available. Or, if it's a single family, or another 100, 200, 300 units not available, it was a 
was an apartment complex that went foreclosed on. And so housing was going away, and no new housing was being built. Since then, all that stuff that went foreclosed got bought back up by guys like myself and other real estate investors. And we fixed them up and put people back in them, raised the rents. And every year since 2009, the price of real estate has gone up. Every year since 2009, the rents have gone up. There's been no slack in the curve, which let's think about this. It's 2022. That's 12 years, 13 years, somewhere in there, that prices have gone up. Now, markets usually last anywhere from three to five years, and then they pull back. That's a typical cycle. You see it in the stock market all the time. It has a regular pullback, and then it goes further, and then it pulls back. We've had no pullback in real estate whatsoever. And you say, why is that? Why is there no pullback in real estate? Well, you have to understand this. They didn't build any more real estate. Or, more correctly spoken, they didn't build enough new real estate. And so, they were barely replacing what they were losing to old age, you know? And so, the supply didn't grow as fast as the population's demand grew. And hence, rents went up and up and up and up and up. Now, let's take and let's look at the other side of that. The other side of that is, at the very same time, while rents were going through the ceiling and prices were going through the ceiling, the Fed lowered the interest rates to almost nothing. This was massive stimulation. And they stimulated right the buying of old apartments, houses, to the point where big businesses started getting into this stuff. I remember the day I knew it was the beginning of the end for us real estate investors when Warren Buffett said, if I could figure out how to manage them, I would buy 10,000 houses right now. Well, a little company by the name of Blackstone figured it out, and they bought 10,000 houses. And now there are commercial companies out there buying tens and tens and tens of thousands of houses each and every year. So, the world has changed. These businesses are gobbling up the same thing I taught people starting 30 years ago. I've been telling you for 30 years, we buy starter homes, small, three two twos or three one ones, small homes, starter homes where youthful people could afford to buy, or if they were going to rent from us, we bought them, they could rent from us at decent prices. Secondly, came up with the concept, best product, best price, uniformity in product delivery. Guess what these big companies have all taken on? Uniformity of product delivery. They buy these houses, they put between fifteen dollars and $30,000 in them and totally renovate them, just like I said in my seminar. Fix everything up front so that the customer is satisfied, so that you don't have massive amounts of maintenance calls. And then, they went out and put together their own maintenance and repair companies. So, they have these vans of repairmen driving around fixing these homes if you call up and have something that needs to be repaired. So, what they did was exactly what Warren Buffett had wished he could do, figure out how to manage tens of thousands of single-family homes. They're not adjacent to each other, although they might go into a subdivision, buy 10 or 20 in one subdivision, but they're not contiguous right next to each other where you can put a manager in to manage them. I've actually owned 15 duplexes at one place where they're in a, in a cul-de-sac. So, we ran it like an apartment complex. It was actually 30 units right there. And we took put a manager in one of the units, and she ran it, and her husband was a maintenance man, and boom. They were houses, but it was run like an apartment. I did that with a set of five duplexes, which was 10 units. And uh, we ran that one from afar, from another one of our locations. So, the bottom line is, these guys figured out how to do that. 
so now we've got this massive group of buyers out there buying up everything they can get their hands on. Why is the problem so acute right now? And according to the expert that was on this 60 Minutes report, and I'm sorry I did not pick up the lady's name or where she was from, but they were using her as an expert. She said that they believe that the U.S. is short about 4 million homes. In other words, if there was 4 million more homes, boom, built tomorrow, every single one of them would be purchased within 30 days. Can you imagine that? So, with this lack of ability to purchase, what happens? Well, the second a house becomes available for sale that's under $300,000, either one of my investors or some other group's investors or these big, giant companies leap on it. And many of them, especially these companies, are making all-cash offers that it will close in 15 days, and some of them, even the big corporations, they're not even doing inspections. So, here you are, little mom and pop scared to death to buy your own first personal residence, right? How do you, before you can even take the time to go see the house, somebody's bought it. They put a contract in, full price, all cash, or maybe even 10% higher. All cash, no inspections. And you're over there kicking the tire on it, thinking I'm going to be a logical buyer, uh, be a safe home purchaser, and it just doesn't work in this world. It's just not going to happen. Now, where can this lead us to? Well, the big problem, number two, is that up until just a few years ago, the millennials were not interested in buying homes. And the millennials, as you know, are becoming, as the baby boomers die off, the largest buying block out there. Well, now, all of a sudden, millennials want a home. Now, people are working from home. They don't want to be in a little apartment that has no space for them, their kids, and their dog and their cat and whatever, they want space, they want a yard. And so now millennials are buying homes for the first time. I have three kids that are no longer teenagers, they're all in their 30s, early 30s. All three of them now have a home this year. Last year, none of them had a home. Let me say that again. A year ago, none of them had a home. This year, they all three have a home. Now, one of them moved in with her significant other, and he owns his home, so she's got a home. Second one moved in with her significant other, and they bought their grandmother's home. They move in together into the grandma's home, and they bought the home from grandma. It never even hit the street. That's the only way, number one, they could have gotten to it, and number two, they got it for a price they could afford, because grandma was giving them a break since the house had been there for many years and was in disrepair, and so they were willing to do the work and whatever. And so, they bought their first home. And only because grandma made it available to them. And the last one uh, that bought a home, he was living in the home as a tenant. He had been a tenant for a couple of years, and the guy that owned the home made some comment to the broker to, that he wanted to buy. Or what I really think happens, the broker just wanted a commission, so he went to the tenant and said, Would you like to buy this house? And you know, our son asked us, Should I buy it? He told us the price. We did the comps, said, Yeah, that's fair price. Buy it because you won't be able to buy a house for that price if you wait much longer, right? It was under $200,000. No, it was 200000 200 and some thousand, I'm sorry. But it was under 300000 so it was in a price range that was still considered a starter home. To get that deal done, you know, I had to negotiate the deal with the broker and the seller. The seller didn't even want to sell. He wanted to keep going up in price. I negotiated that for him and with him. And then I also came in and helped him out with the down payment money. Uh, and by the way, you can gift money to your kids. And I gifted him some money so he could afford the down payment. And now all three of our kids have a home. But how many out there will never find that home? Because they're not available. And even if they are, they've never built their credit up yet. They haven't figured out what's important in buying a house. And once they do figure out what's important and try to inflict the knowledge, 
the market's not going to let them. It's just going to say, take it as is, where is. Boom. Sellers aren't changing their prices. In fact, last year, in some markets, a very high percentage, and I don't know it, so I won't give you a false number, but it could be as much as 50 to 70% of the homes sold above list price. And that's not in every market, but that's in some of the larger markets where there's high demand. So, number two problem is millennials are starting to buy. Number three is inflation. Yeah, just everything is more expensive. If you want to build a house right now, you can't. It costs too much. Can you even get the materials with the COVID problem, with all the stuff coming from China? You can't buy stuff. We, we had a giant freeze a year ago. At an apartment, well, it actually happened in our house, the apartments every, everywhere in the whole city. I, I shouldn't say that, but one of the apartments that we were working on, uh, it messed things up so bad because it froze the water pipes in the circuit, the uh, fire system. And so everything was destroyed, flooded. So we couldn't get the materials to fix that. We are just now, this month, getting the final pieces of furniture in necessary to redo the office. A year. So, how do you build homes if you can't get materials? At one point, it was $100 for a piece of plywood. Four by eight sheet of plywood, a hundred and some dollars, somebody told me. You got to be out of your mind. Nope, that's what it is. So, the cost of materials is through the roof. So, even if somebody could go to the banks right now and go, bankers, you got to come off your refusal to lend for building. And the bankers said, we will come off our refusal. We will start lending more on construction. And even if there were guys willing to take the risk out there that they can't get the materials and start projects on specifications called spec, build on spec. In other words, there's nobody buying it from you, yet you're building to sell. We don't know you can even get the materials. We'll be right back with the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Successful Lifestyles Unlimited member retires in 10 months. The hardest part for me was to drop off my son, go to a job that I absolutely hated for five years, but know that that was a sacrifice that I needed to make, and then only be able to get to spend two hours with him after school before he had to go back to bed. So that's why once we started and we joined Lifestyles, we said, okay, we have a roadmap. We know what we're gonna do. And then a month later, we find out we're pregnant with baby number two, and we're like, okay, we gotta kick it up a notch. So that's how we were able to purchase four different properties and um, replace in 10 months, replace my income in 10 months so that whenever I finished maternity leave, I didn't have to go back to work. I think a, I think a couple weeks before she baby came out is when we closed on a fourplex. And that was enough for her not to have to go back to work. Are you ready for your roadmap to real estate retirement? Attend the online free workshop just like Carolina did. Register at lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. Welcome back. Now, here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America one person at a time, Del Wamsley. Welcome back to the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today, we're discussing rents and why they're going up so radically. The fact the rents have gone up 15% across the board last year, that means the whole country's average went up 15%, which is normally something like 3 or 4% is the typical rent increase per year. I told you I'd give you five reasons why 
this is becoming a problem. I gave you the first one was uh, building stopped in 2008 and 9. Number two, the millennials started buying. Number three, inflation has made everything cost more. So you, even if you could build things, you couldn't afford to build them because the, the materials are so expensive. And even if you could afford the materials, you may not be able to obtain them. And so you may not close your project on a timely fashion. The next one is an interesting one. It's political. And I rant and rave all the time in politics, and I know nobody really wants to hear my opinion about politics because I don't belong to the Republicans, I don't belong to the Democrats. Um, I'm not uh, affiliated with either party, so what happens is nobody likes what I have to say because I don't stand for anybody's politics, right? But this next thing is political, and not because I see it as political, but because it is political. And that is, people are moving out of the Democratic states, the Democratic cities, and moving into Republican states and Republican cities. It's a fact. You can say whatever you want to say about it. You can say why. I suggest why is they're tired of the taxes. They're tired of the crime. They're tired of um, people living in the streets. They're just tired of all the stuff that is associated uh, with that political alignment, right? You could also go the other way and say, well, that's all hooey-pooey, Dell. I don't believe any of that. The reason they're leaving is because they're moving from a cold state to a warm state. Well, that makes sense if you're talking about they're moving out of New York to Florida. I get that. It doesn't make a lot of sense why they're moving out of California. They're moving out of California because they don't like the politics. And they're moving to places they do. Now, let's just say it's both those things. It's political and it's weather. They're trying to get into the Sun Belt, let's say. Okay, fine. But what is that doing? Well, in the Sun Belt regions, the big city Sun Belt regions, you're seeing rent increases of not 15%, which is the average. You're seeing rent increases between 30 and 40%. They had a person on the 60-minute show, it was a young family, who their landlord was saying they're raising the rent 30%. And they were saying, you, you, you just can't do that. And the guy goes, yeah, that's what I thought. I didn't think anybody could do that until I went around and looked at all the rents of everywhere else we could move to. And they were all 30 to 40% higher than what we were paying also. So it's a market-driven deal. People would like to say, well, it's greedy landlords raising the rent. I know that's what the Democrats are going to want to say. It's greedy business people trying to raise the rent. But is it? The next thing the Democrats are going to want to say, it's these big businesses holding, owning all these homes. That's really, really bad. Well, truth of the matter, those giant companies, the maybe five or ten of them that own tens and tens and tens of thousands of homes, only own 2% of the total rental market. 2%. So it's not really them. It's the market. That's like saying, is this Biden's inflation or is this Putin's inflation? You could argue that one between Republicans and Democrats for hours. The reality is it's our inflation. We're stuck with it. Somebody overheated the economy, whether that be Trump or whether that be Biden or whether that be Obama, Trump, then Biden. Every president I've seen in the last four presidents has increased the deficit and done everything they can do to increase the economy. Maybe the economy doesn't need that flamethrower underneath its loins to make it grow. Maybe there's natural growth, but it's just not good enough to get yourself reelected. So you've got to throw the flamethrower to it. And with this massive stimulus package, the Fed went in and, number one, lowered interest rates to almost nothing. When I first started buying real estate, interest rates were about 12%. When they came down to 9%, and by the way, that 12% was when Jimmy Carter was in, in Oh, my gosh. There we go again. Everything sounds so political. There we are, a Democratic president, massive inflation, and stagflation. 
where there's no actual growth. Well, we're not in stagflation now. We're in inflation because the value of things are going up. Now, stagflation is when the value of things go up and your income doesn't go up. That hasn't happened. People's income have gone up the last couple of years. So, that's the next step, though, is stagflation. But at this point right now, we're at inflation. And inflation is higher at the 40-year high, I think is how they're explaining that. It's highest. It's the highest it's been in 40 years. And it's believed to be true. I say this both because economists say this, but also the President of the United States, Joe Biden, says this. Because of the war, it's going to get worse. Well, if it's already higher than it's been in 40 years, how much worse can it get? And I don't think we even understand how bad it can get. So, what does that mean? Well, that means the Fed is going to have to change what it's doing. So, the first announcement was there would be six interest rate increases this year, spread out across the year. They did the first one was a quarter of a basis point. So, one point of interest is 100 basis points. So, they went up 25 basis points. Um, and 100 basis points is 1% of interest increase. So, they went up a quarter of a percent. They plan to do this five more times. So, if we add six quarter percents, that's an one and a half percent increase uh, in interest rates. So, that's going to take the cost of a home up. Well, I, didn't, I should calculate that exactly what it would have per hundred thousand dollars. Get to figure out how much it is. Well, okay, per hundred thousand dollars, if you got an extra one and a half percent interest, let's see. Do a quick math here. I think we can figure that one out. A uh, hundred thousand dollars more on each house times point zero one five is fifteen thousand dollars a year divided by twelve. That's one hundred twenty-five dollars a month higher payment. Remember, to qualify to buy a home, you have to qualify the payment against your income. So that's going to make it difficult more difficult, in other words, for people to buy homes. It's also going to slow down the economy and slow down employment growth and slow everything else down, right? But is it going to slow rents down? And the problem, it's not. Because the rents are not attached to interest rates. Buying the properties, the price of the properties is attached to interest rates, but not if you pay all cash. But wait, people can pay all cash. More and more and more people have so much money they can pay all cash. And if that's the case, the interest rates do not affect their buying decisions at all. So the big, rich real estate investors will still be buying. And the poor starter home millennials will not be able to buy a home. Hence, number one, more and more, more and more will find out there's not enough housing. Two, more and more, the millennials are trying to buy. Three, more and more it's going to cost to build. And four, people are moving and packing up to the same place where everybody is creating massive demand. But number five, interest rates are going up. The Fed also has decided that it's probably going to get rid of its quantitative easing. In other words, for a while, it was buying up debt, buying up uh, like loans and debt and stuff. And by buying that, it made it easier for the banks to lend, according to what I read today. They're thinking about stopping that, in fact, starting to sell off their portfolio, making banks absorb that debt back, meaning banks won't have any cash to lend. Or, I don't say won't have any, they'll have less, they'll be more restrictive, they'll be more careful to who they lend it to and how much and what percentages of debt they'll go into. So, the whole thing will have an effect of slowing the economy down. So, this is runaway inflation. 
it's going to force the Fed's hand, and we've already seen that they've taken the first step. They've raised the interest rates a quarter point, 25 basis points, as they call it. And they said they're going to do that five more times this year. They've also said that they're going to um, reduce their quantitative easing and start selling off some of the debt that they bought. And um, this means the cost of capital is going to go up. So, if you want to go buy a house right now, you better do it now because interest rates are going up. They're going up. They've told basically going up at least one and a half percent this year. That's a major difference. Interest rates are already up from six months ago, three months ago, and they're going to continue to go up from here. That's the only thing they can do other than sell off all this debt. Now, what does selling off all this debt do? Again, I went into this in the last segment, but I'll do it again so you understand this. When they make the banks buy back all their debt, the banks are not liquid. And if they're not liquid, they can only make so many loans because there are ratios of liquidity to debt, they can outstanding debt they can have on their balance sheet. And that's what quantitative easing did. It took all the debt off their balance sheet so they had lots of cash they could lend, which made money plentiful. So, not only are they charging more for money, they're cutting down the money supply. Now, when you look into this, you would think that the logical thing is that that would slow the real estate buying community out there. That would take down the number of deals that got done, and eventually, you would think it would start to lower the price of real estate. And that is a logical thought. Unfortunately, and I do say unfortunately, it's not happening. And prices are staying high. Now, we'll watch this next year as they raise these interest rates and see what happens. I'll be right here with you. We'll be scratching our head, trying to figure it out, trying to stay ahead of the curve, right? But I have to tell you this. I bought seven pieces of real estate last year. I'm in contract to close on two more pieces of real estate this year already. And I paid cash for all nine of them. So, do the interest rates affect me directly? No. I would hope they would affect me indirectly in that cap rates would go back up. Because when you pay cash, your, your rate of return is your cap rate. I would like to see interest rates go up a little bit. Why? Well, let's talk about retired people. You save your entire life to save up a million dollars. In the old day, when interest rates were 10 to 12%, you would buy something called a bond ladder. You would buy bonds that would expire in five years, bonds would expire in 10 years, and bonds expire in 15 years. Actually, they went, it was like two, five, and 10, something like that. And what would happen is when the two year bonds expired, you didn't know what interest rate you were going to end up in. So you'd go out and buy 10 year bonds. Now your whole plan is extended two more years, but you bought it whatever it was, but it was only just a tenth of what you owned that you put into that. The next year, when a couple more bonds came due, you would have to sell those, take your money and buy more bonds at a different interest rate. But you were constantly averaging your interest rate over these this 10-year period of time. It was called a bond ladder, and that's how most people retired. So, if your bond ladder averaged 10% and you had a million dollars, you were living on hundred grand a year, minus taxes. Then you did have to pay taxes on that income. So, when interest rates started going down, retired people were hurt the most, right? Retired people were hurt the most because they have no income. Now, flip it around. Inflation. Who does inflation hurt the most? It hurts retired people, because they can't up their income. That's why I hope they will increase interest rates, so elderly people can at least live off of their savings, although many haven't been able to. So, who else does inflation hurt? It hurts the poor. When gasoline costs $6 a gallon, does that affect me? Not in the least. Not in the least. But does it affect the people who work for me? Absolutely. 
It's very difficult on them. How about all the small business owners? That are, like my landscaping guys, I was talking in the other day. And he's got a fleet of like six trucks. And it went from costing him $30 to fill the truck to $100 to fill the truck up with gas. That's a big difference, folks. That's a massive difference. So, as we sit here right now, we can pontificate, we can guess, we can do whatever you want to do and try to guess where this all leads. But hindsight is 2020. And we can see what's happened in the last six to 12 months. And we know the war is going to make it worse. We know that Biden really hasn't figured out how to fix it. He just came out with his budget. And it doesn't look like the budget is really going to fix these problems. So we have to live with them. Remember this, it's not the money, it's the lifestyle. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, teaching you the opposite of everything you've been taught so you can obtain the results you've never obtained. Join us seven days a week. Can't get enough? Visit DellOnTheRadio.com to listen to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, access past show podcasts, and join the conversation. The information and opinions you hear on the Del Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Del Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Del Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Del Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.